It's wonderful what uh, technology does to us sometimes. Um, but I'm going to rely on something far more simple. If you see me looking over to my left, uh, it's not because I'm vain and I need to look in the mirrors. But what I've got to say tonight, I need to look in the mirror because I need to speak to myself as well. Because if the word doesn't touch the preacher, it ain't going to touch you. And I just want to just approach it with uh, uh, honesty and, and say, well, some of these things I'm still working on. God is working on me on. And that's a good thing. And I want to just encourage you tonight, if you feel like God is still speaking about an issue that you've not yet sorted out, don't worry too much, because it's a proof that you still have a conscience. It's proof that you still have ears that God wants to speak into, God wants to whisper his voice into. Now, I know last week we had the, the title of running the race, relating to, the, to arena. Now, when I hear the word arena, like, like most, uh, I suppose, fellas around here, I think, I think of sports. But I also think of the arenas of the gladiators. Now, I love that Russell Crowe film. I've, I've got it on DVD at home. I've got the extended version. So even more blood and uh, animals and the rest of it. But it's just a fantastic picture that just relates to what we're doing at Arena Church. You see, those gladiators belonged to that circus. They were owned and their life was completely taken up with being gladiators, of training, of fighting. They were even kept in cells because they were not free men. But they were happy and they were glad to fight for the glory of Rome as they saw it. But of course today we don't need to have uh, uh, swords and spears and, and tridents and nets in our, in our modern day arenas. Our modern day arenas are, are shaped similar to the, uh, to the Colosseum, but they are different. For instance... Our, our, our sportsmen, rather than wearing armour, they wear, they wear shin pads. Uh, they, they wear thigh pads and, and pads up here for cricketers and, and gloves and all sorts. Their weapons are not swords. They're, they're made of willow and, and graphite and, and carbon fibre, ores and that sort of thing. That's the weapons they use today. And the, the arena is not necessarily the sand of the Colosseum. The arena is grass of the sports stadium. It's the water of a lake or a river. It's the clay of a, of a tennis court. But every day, and because we're just built like that, we just love to see these gladiators at work. We saw Andy Murray. Uh, well, some of us did. I, I was watching cricket yesterday, so I didn't see the final. But Andy Murray, just, he's, he's playing today, isn't he? Just playing tennis. That's a gladiator. He's owned by that sport. That sport just consumes him there and now. Stephen Redgrave, as many of you know, one of the best Olympian that Britain has ever produced. Five Olympic gold medals, but not in one or two games, in five Olympic games. He's a heck of a gladiator. And I really would like to meet him someday, but he's, he's, he's an inspiration to many sportsmen and women up and down the, uh, the UK. You know, Johnny Wilkinson, it was famed before that 2003 great victory against Australia. There was a big piece about Johnny Wilkinson in the paper and how he spends hours and hours on the rugby pitch, long after his, his, his teammates have gone back into changing rooms after training, kicking that ball through that post. In fact, his technique was, because those posts, are, they look quite big, but when you're standing 45 metres back, they seem very small. So what Johnny would do, he would start to focus on a point through those posts. When he was playing a game, he would focus on what he thought was a person behind those posts. And as he got better, he then would focus on a point that maybe was a Coke can in that person's hand. 
a modern-day gladiator. The sport consumed him. He gave everything to that. And in this arena, the title of tonight is Living the Life. Last week, we were running the race. Tonight is Living the Life. And I've already mentioned quite a few sportsmen who are so famous in, in Britain. It's well known that David Beckham would spend hours just swinging his boot at a ball to get it the exact distance he wanted to travel. So when it came to the heat of a game, David Beckham still is one of the best crossers of the ball the game has ever seen. Why? Hours. Living the life. He lives the life of a footballer. That's all it is. There are three things I've just brought out tonight. I'm sure there are many more. What we must do in order to live this arena life. What we need to do to live the life. And paradoxically, the first one I brought is we need to die. That's strange. You want, Andy, you want us to live the life, but we need to die. I recently bumped into uh, Barry McGuigan in a, in a hotel in Ireland. I didn't actually speak to him. I don't know him, but just bumped into him. But boxers have a particular tradition with their sport that the better you are, the harder you train. And when you're approaching a big fight, they actually shut themselves away from what we would class as normal life. They go to a training camp. They've got extreme physical training. They have to train for stamina. They have to train for weights. They have to train, I noticed, I remember one boxer actually lifting weights with his neck just to strengthen his neck muscles so when he, achieved a, when he received a punch on the jaw, he didn't rock his head back. So extreme training. Some dying's got to go on. Because if he wants to win that world championship, there's no way... That he can sit back and have pie and chips every night. And as we see from Ricky Hatton, the moment he stopped boxing, the pie and chips were on the table, even in between his fights. And in order to achieve that weight, he had to stop the pie and chips. He had to die to his own desires. In Philippians 3.14, we hear it says, I press towards a prize. I press towards a prize. You see, we're going to die. There's some dying that goes on. Proverbs 16.25 says, There's a way that seems right to man, but only leads to death. See, the first dying we need to do is to die in order to receive new life. When Jesus died on the cross, he did it for one reason only. He did it so you could die as well. What do you need to die to? We need to die to sin. We need to die to those things that are going to shackle us. We need to die to those things that are going to bind us. Those habits those words, those thoughts, those deeds, those things we do that are contrary to what God teaches in here. We need to die to those. He says in the Bible, you who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, we've got to go for dying for that reason. But the great thing is, death provides an opportunity for resurrection. Paul himself was constantly talking about death and resurrection. Every time you see Paul mention death, resurrection is not far behind because Paul got it. He realized and even, even confessed in, in Romans 7 that the things he was trying to stop doing, he was always doing. But the things he wanted to do, for some reason, he could never get him. It was that constant fight going on. But Paul knew he had to die to self. I went to watch a cricket yesterday. Uh, with Morgan. Morgan was, was uh, playing on the outfield at Trent Bridge, and it was a, it was a fantastic day. And I like cricket. I'm perhaps not such a, a, a great fan of the Phillies of cricket, but there's some guys I, I've watched play cricket over the past few years of, of the England team, and they're, they're very interesting to watch. We've got a, a guy called uh, 
Kevin Peterson. Now, a great batsman. Nobody would deny he's a great batsman. But behind the scenes, you've got two more batsmen playing for England who don't really hit the headlines as much. You've got Alistair Cook. You've got Jonathan Trott, who quietly go about their game whilst Kevin Peterson grabs all the headlines. But I've got a problem with Kevin Peterson. Because all Kevin Peterson does is plays for Kevin Peterson. That's all he ever does. His place of birth doesn't worry me too much. But all Kevin Peterson does is play for Kevin Peterson. But Alistair Cook and Jonathan Trott, when they get on that walk on that field, they're playing for the team. You see, they've learned how to die. They've learned how to die for the team. And our example is Jesus, who, although he was God, who, although he was God, he humbled himself even to death on a cross. And if our greatest example is Jesus, how much more do we need to learn that the first step in living the life is dying? Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. There comes a time in all of our lives we have to decide, am I going to die to self or am I going to maintain that old relationship with my old ways? You see, the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they were constantly looking over their shoulder, wishing they were back there. They didn't learn to die. And the ones that made it through to the promised land were those that did. They died to their selfish ambition. They died to things that they wanted, to look at what God was wanting for them. See, death by execution seems awfully quick. And if only that were the case for all our habits. But occasionally, some of these things need death by starvation. And you might be sat there thinking right now, well, Andy, I've just, I've just had this problem. I just can't seem to shake. And God is just teaching you. Keep on going. Got to starve it out. Maybe it's a problem with internet porn. Well, there's a good thing. Starve it out. Don't access it. Maybe you've got a a problem with watching TV till till all hours, just doing nothing else. Here's a solution. Starve it out. I remember an illustration years ago by uh, Edwin Baker, who's still uh, a great evangelist. And he, he just was teaching a youth group once. He said, if you've got two dogs... One of them who's a nice dog but very skinny and underfed, but the, the ferocious dog who's forever trying to bite you, stop feeding it. Don't feed it. Feed the small dog. And guess what? There'll be a change. The dog that needs to grow will grow if you feed it. And maybe we need to feed things tonight that are good and that are pleasant. Philippians chapter 8 says, Whatever is good and pure, think on these things. So the first thing we need to do to live the life is die. The second thing we need to note is be devoted to living the life. You see, Jesus, his life was totally devoted to those in need. As you read through the Gospels, wherever there's need, you find Jesus. Wherever there's people wanting, you find Jesus. Wherever you find people hurting, you find Jesus. Wherever you see lepers, you find Jesus. Wherever you see prostitutes who really need someone just to care for them, for who they are, not for what they do, you find Jesus. He wasn't found often amongst the religious. They sought him out to try and trip him up. But Jesus was found in the place that he was devoted to. It says in 1 John, for this purpose Christ was revealed. To what? To destroy the works of the evil one. 
That's why Jesus came. Because this world was full of sin. This world is full of things where people just turn their back on God, where people live for themselves. Number one is all important. But for that purpose, Christ came to destroy the works of the evil one. And in Luke 9, verse 51, he said, Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. What was waiting? Death. A cruel death on the cross. Rejection by his best friends. But yet he still set his face because he had a purpose. Because he was devoted to living the life for which he was sent. I've already mentioned cricket. I'm going to mention it again. I mentioned Alistair Cook. Prior to uh, the, the victorious uh, winter tour of Australia to the, for the Ashes, Alistair Cook was in poor form. In a couple of test matches against Pakistan, he managed a, a poultry 10. And people were writing him off saying, there's no way, the Ashes is so huge, there's no way we can take Alistair Cook. People all, all, would even talk about bringing Cheskothic back, whose, let's face it, his, 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 his head's gone. But Alistair Cook, people lost faith in him, but not his manager. You see, Andy Flowers still have faith in Alistair Cook. The advice would have been day by day, Alistair, just keep doing what you're doing. Alistair, stick to the basics. You keep hitting the ball like you know how to hit the ball. And he went from 10 runs to scoring 766 runs in five games. And that wasn't 10 innings because England won several games by more than an innings. So how did he go from just scoring 10 to scoring 766 in a series? He was devoted. He was devoted to hitting that ball. And every day he would have been out in the nets, practicing his swing, practicing hitting that ball in the sweet spot. And when he came against Australians, they had no answer for him. I think one, one stretch but without being out was over 1,000 minutes of cricket without being bowled out. Amazing stat. But what's the interesting thing? What, Andy, why have you told us that, that story? Because despite his apparent failures, despite his apparent weakness with the bat, his manager, his coach, still believed in him. And Christians um, being led by the Spirit tonight, just to bring that scripture, 1 Corinthians 26, 1. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 and 27. God, in his wisdom and his, in his grace, I'm going to read it. It's worth reading. Not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty. Not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the weak. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. See, God is devoted to you. There are times in your life that you know full well, and look in the mirror, I know full well, I'm not totally devoted to God. There are times when we get it so wrong, but let me tell you, let me assure you tonight, God is continually devoted to you. And you might not feel love tonight, you might not feel you're special tonight, but the word tells us, God chose you. He sent his sinless son to perform heroic, heroic act of dying on the cross for you, but then his, his next part of his plan was that you would be the people to carry that message of hope to a dying world. You. You who get it wrong so often. And when I'm pointing one finger out, there's three pointing back. So often we make a mess. But God, let me tell you tonight, I, I, I firmly believe it, that God is speaking tonight, that God is devoted to you. 
then if you've got a trouble, if you just struggle in the moment with feeling valued, God values you. Right now, where you're sat, God is saying, hey, I love you. That dream you had, strike a match, light it up again. That dream's still there because I love you. I'm devoted to you. God is devoted to the process. I know my own life sometimes I just struggle dying to stuff. And it takes a whisper of God, Andy, I'm still devoted to you. Even tonight, just wanting that inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Wanting God to speak to me before I speak to you. And Christian comes out with that. An amazing God. You see, we see so often in the, in the, uh, in the sporting arena that when a footballer loses his commitment for the team, when he loses devotion, where does he go? He goes to the subs bench. He goes to reserves. Then he finds himself on the first plane out. Because he loses his devotion. God will never lose his devotion for you. Even though you might think you're a long, long way away, God's devotion is still there. I was watching the cricket yesterday, and there was a fantastic picture for Arena Church. See, every time that ball was hit by the batsman, on both teams, the fielder would run for the ball. But more often than not, there was a second fielder who was running with him. So just in case he didn't manage to scoop that ball up, or if he had to die for the ball and just bat it backwards away from the ropes, or if he's thrown the ball at the stumps, guess what? There was another fielder. Right in line. And every single time that batsman played that shot, I mean, knots were particularly good yesterday at that, the fielders were constantly moving, getting in line to receive that ball. Should it miss the target, there's another fielder waiting to receive the ball. And in the life of arena team, that's what we all need to be. We need to be devoted to the life, the life of each other, the life of Arena Church, the life that God has called us to in this place right now. You might think, well, Andy, I'm just a bit unclear as to what the future is. It doesn't really matter. God has called you to a place where you can be on the team and you can be backing up your team members at all stages. And I think that's why Knotts won yesterday. They won by 10 runs. Do you know how much 10 runs is? It's a couple of fumbles by a fielder. It's a couple of balls reaching the ropes when they should have been stopped. That's how close the game was yesterday. And sometimes in the arena church, that's what we need to do. We need to be close to the stumps. We need to back in each other up. Romans 12, verse 10. In that great passage about being living sacrifices, he says, preferring one another. Philippians 2, verse 3 says, nothing done through selfish ambition, but through loneliness of mind, each esteem others better than himself. That's devotion. That's devotion to live in the arena life. And you might think, well, Andy, <laughs> I'm far away from that. You're not. You're here tonight. You're part of the arena tonight. Even if it's your first time tonight, even if it's your 40th time here tonight, you're still part of the arena team. You're still part of arena life. But God has got so much more for every single one of us. You might have not been to church at all. You might be part of leadership. God is still wanting to do so much more. Thirdly, as well as having to die to live the life and to be devoted to living the life, living the life needs to be dynamic. You see, John 10.10, 10, I've used the amplified version here because it just brings out the real flavor of that verse. Jesus said, I've come that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full 
till it overflows. See, I'm convinced that when I got saved as a young child, when I said yes to Jesus the first time, I am fully convinced that's not where it ended. I've met many Christians who unfortunately carry their faith like the Willy Wonka chocolate factory. Okay, remember that? You've seen the film or you've read the book by Roald Dahl. I've got to say, I do prefer the Gene Wilder version, as good as Johnny Depp is. But there was that golden ticket that allowed just a few select members through the doors of that factory to view what Willy Wonka did with his sweets and his chocolate. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is you have life and enjoy it to the full. I do... I, I seriously have met Christians. They've got their faith. They've got their ticket to heaven. Thank you very much. It's in the pocket. I'm on my way. Yeah. I've even met people who, who, who talk to me to the blue in the face about the second coming, about end times. What I don't see them doing is witnessing to people who aren't Christians. They talk to me about it. Well, I, yeah, I know that. Because they've lost that living of life to the abundance. Now, I know when we read the scriptures, we see Jesus in all sorts of situations. I've already mentioned it. We see him healing the sick. We see Jesus casting out demons. They're just such necessary things to do. We see him making deaf ears hear. We see him making the blind to see. We see him making the lame to walk. Really, really necessary miracles. But what was his first miracle? He turned water into a wine. Now, if that's not life to the full, if that's not life to abundance, if that's not a dynamic life, do we really need more wine at a wedding? It's a picture of exuberance. Jesus saying, yeah, let's have some more good wine. Feeding the 5,000. We don't read in the scriptures that they were about to die from hunger. We don't read in the scriptures they were starving and on their last legs. But yet Jesus opens his arms to a five loaves and two fishes, and he feeds 5,000 men plus women plus children. Is that an exuberant faith? That sounds like it to me. Is that a faith full of passion? Is that a faith full of dynamic power? Because that's what the Greek means. It's power. It's explosive power. Dynamis, where we get the word for dynamite. And that's a life that God's got for you. That's a life that God has got for Rena. Not just to be satisfied. Christians already said tonight, we're not satisfied with you guys just sat here. We're not satisfied with just these few blocks of seats. Because God's got an exuberant calling for us. He's got a passionate calling for us. He's got a dynamic calling for us. And that's living arena life. Jesus fished in daylight. He gave the disciples the biggest catch of fish they've ever seen. Did they need that big catch of fish? No. It's just the passionate heart of the Savior. Just the passionate heart of Jesus to do so much more than we could ever ask or think. That's dynamic. Jesus was, was quite scathing about the religious of his times. He called them whitewashed tombs. It all looks nice. It all looks pretty, but on the inside... It's dead. It's full of death. Now, we're in a football ground. Now, we've got a nice new carpet. I don't know if you smelt it as you came in. There is a fantastic new carpet. But it's a football ground. Some people would sniff and say, it's not a proper church. It doesn't even have a cross out the front. That's fine by me. Because it's what's inside that counts. And inside arena life, there's a 
a growing number of people who are committed to that dynamic expression of faith that God has got for us. I mean, yesterday at the cricket, I was just, I was just interested to watch. Before the game, lots of warm-ups, okay? There's exercises going on all over the pitch. There's bowling going on. There's batting practice. There's fielding practice. Then I watched the two teams towards the end of that practice. Warwickshire was still out there, dead serious, into the nets with the bats and the the coaches were chucking the ball and the batsmen were slogging it into the nets. It was quite good to watch. Uh, Darren Maddy was just in front of us practicing away. It was good. But then I looked over and what were the Knots players doing? They were playing football. They were playing football. They'd done the warm-ups. They'd done their exercises they had to do. And then they were playing football. It's just a new form that the cricketers have found. A good way of loosening up is to play football. I did notice there were no, weren't any tackles going in. Okay, there weren't any 50-yard slides but I thought, well, that's interesting. Warwick show just intense, intense. Got to do this, got to do this. Knots were like, yeah, let's have a kick around the football. But that's, for me, that just spoke something. That's exuberance. They've got a passion for their game, but not just going to be restricted to what they see as always been the game. And they start to play football. Please don't get me wrong. I, real, I understand completely how serious sin is. I understand completely the cost to our society of broken down marriages. I understand the cost to our society of, uh, of a sex industry has gone mad where nothing matters anymore. I understand the consequences of people living for themselves. It's very serious. It's very sad. But at the same time, I understand what God wants to do through me. And it's not a dead faith. It's not a boring faith where I just sit in church and I can get this. Anytime I like, and I can take it to my workplace, and I can open it up, and I can preach my workmates. Do you know what? I think I probably turn most of them off. Daddy, I've ever been a Christian. Or I can choose to live my life the way God wants me to live it. Exuberant? Yeah. Passionate? Yeah. Given to the needy? Absolutely. Getting involved in just projects that just touch people's hearts? Yes. Why? Because God wants me, and he wants you to have a dynamic faith. There's a, there's a real case in, in rugby where they say if the players aren't giving their all, it's actually more dangerous than full-on, full-impact rugby. We had, we had that, um, Phil had the team out, didn't he, of the, of the, the rugby members of all, all different shapes and sizes. Now, a few years ago, it would have been scrum half, but now as flanker, different size. But it's true, in rugby, if the player goes into tackle half-hearted, he's far more likely to get hurt than if he goes into that tackle at full pelt, at full strength. And that's why when you see uh, the great teams against the lesser team, it's such a whitewash because the, the greater teams cannot slow down. They don't know how to slow down. They don't know how to put the brakes on. When they see another 15 men in front of them, they have to go at them like they would Australia or New Zealand. It never changes because they went in a half-hearted. That's when injuries happen. That's when the danger happened. That's what God wants for us. If we start going into any project half-hearted, that's when injuries happen. That's where people fall off. But we go full pelt. That passion, that dunamis that God wants for us. You know, when we've got a power cut, occasionally we reach the candles. Do you know when I strike a match with that candle and I, and I light the wick? Guess what the candle does? It gives light. The candle can do nothing else when it's lit than give light. That is its sole purpose. When I strike that match on that wick, the only thing that candle can do 
is give light. And Jesus says, you are light. You're like a city on a hill that cannot be hid. There is one thing. That's what you are. That's what you do. Living in arena life. Are there going to be tears? Yeah. Are there going to be twisted ankles and knocked knees and, and bruised eyes? Probably physically in some cases, yeah. Are there going to be people just wondering around, trying to find their calling? Yes, there are. Are there going to be people confused walking through the doors? Yes, there are. But what does God want for you in living a real life? He wants you to learn how to die. Because until we start dying for each other, it ain't going to work. God wants you to be devoted to that life. Now, we've called it arena life because we're at arena. But let me tell you something. Whatever church you walk into, if that same devotion is there, that's a good church. And if that dynamic aspect is there too, it's a great church. I just pray for you and for myself and for the church that as time goes by, we're not to die. We keep devoted. And we'll let God work his dynamic power in us and, and through us. Let's just, let's just pray. Now, I don't know tonight if you feel God has spoken to you. What I do know is God has been speaking. And I'm sure you've felt it too. The God of all creation who created this great universe in just six days. The millions of stars, the millions of varieties of plants and animals is still interested in you.